There's a woman by the name of Clara Knoll from Oklahoma City, and she talked about a terrible day she was having. She said the washing machine broke, the telephone kept ringing, the house was wrecked, my head ached, and a bill came in the mail that I didn't have any money to pay for. She says she lifted her one-year-old son into his high chair and strapped him in. She rested her head on his uh, little platter there, and she began to cry. And without a word, her son reached into his mouth and took out his pacifier and stuck it in hers. (laughs) I wonder if anybody here this morning needs a pacifier. You know, even when things don't fall off the rails, life can be hard. Life can be busy. There are so many things that happen even when nothing goes wrong. As moms and dads especially, we we feel like we're at the breaking point sometimes with the busyness of life. There was a Christian author and counselor, his name is is, uh, Tim Kimmel, and he wrote a book called Little House on the Freeway. And in his book, he said, families today are just too hurried. We take life at such a fast pace that we mix up our priorities and often neglect the important things in life. He goes on to say one of the principles that are necessary to maintaining a balanced life is that we must keep an eternal perspective. Part of that means remembering that relationships are more important than goals and achievements. And then Kimmel gives us a simple rule that he himself uses to kind of bring balance. And he said, don't sacrifice the permanent on the altar of the immediate. Did you catch that? Don't sacrifice the permanent on the altar of the immediate. And yet it's the immediate things in life that seem to consume our time and our attention, right? Making that next meeting, the next meal. It could be getting homework done. It's scurrying off to the next soccer, swim, softball, baseball, basketball, orchestra, ballet practice. You fill in the blanks. And we find ourselves just rushing everywhere. And as it happens, what happens is our relationships suffer. And the one that is most easy to neglect is the one that goes unseen sometimes, which is with God, because he's not there in front of us. And so as we turn in our Bible today to Luke chapter 10, I want to talk about a way that we can go about resetting, recalibrating our priorities so that we make our relationship with God important. In Luke chapter 10, as we look at this passage today, it's, it's one that's very familiar to us. It's the story of Mary and Martha. And we're talking about Mary and Martha on Mother's Day, but this isn't a message just for moms. It's for all of us here today. So as we look at Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38, I want you to look at your own lives this morning and ask yourself, which, which of these ladies are you more like? Are you more like Mary or Martha? It says in Luke 10:38. now as they were traveling along, Jesus entered a certain village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who moreover was listening to the Lord's word, seated at his feet. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only a few things are necessary, really only one. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Now the setting of this passage we're looking at is that it's the time of the Feast of Booths. The Feast of Booths, or Tabernacles as it's also called, was one of three mandatory feasts a year where all Jewish men were required to go to Jerusalem to celebrate there. And... 
as we're talking about this feast, the village that they're in is Bethany. It's two and a half miles outside of Jerusalem, so it's very close. And, and the purpose of this Feast of Tabernacles was to remind the people of Israel of the time when they wandered in the wilderness, back when they had no homes, no land of their own, and as God took them through, they were in temporary structures. And so people would build these temporary uh, tent-like structures in their home, outside of their homes, in the backyard, or many had flat roofs, and they would even build it on top. And what you did is you moved out of your house and into this uh, little shack of sticks to remind you of what it was like before you had a home of what it was like when you were in full dependence upon God and you had to uh, travel around without a home of your own. And as they did so, it reminded them of just how blessed they were. Getting back to the basics helped them to see this. You know, sometimes we forget how blessed we are, don't we? This happened with another mom by the name of Alice Johnson. And she said, I had two preschoolers and I was often overwhelmed. On yet another night, I fell into bed exhausted. And I poured out my frustrations to God. The kids won't mind. The house is a mess. My husband doesn't seem to care. And she said, as I was complaining, suddenly a voice said to my heart, which one do you want me to take away? Which one do you want me to take away? And Alice says, as I thought about it, I realized everything I was complaining about was precious to me. And immediately I began to thank God for everything on my list, something that I still do today as a grandmother. As you think about your life this morning, what would your list look like of the things that you're complaining about? As parents, I know how hard it is with kids. I have one in college, one in high school, and one in junior high. And I can confess to you that there are days that I think, hmm, maybe I could lose one or two of these. <laughs> now, I love my kids. I don't want that to happen, and I know you don't as well. My daughter Hannah is staring back at me from over there. It's, it's your brother and sister. It's not you, honey. <laughs> Um, that's not in my notes. I'm in trouble already. (laughs) But as you think about your own kids, do you find yourself sometimes wishing maybe they'd go away? Even as challenging as it can be, what if God were to take your kids away? If you have an old car that you're tired of fixing or dealing with, what if it suddenly went away and you had to walk everywhere? As you think about your home and the maintenance and the cleaning and all the things that, you know, challenge you about having a house to keep up, what would it be like if you went home this afternoon and you pitched a tent in your backyard and you moved out of your house and you had to live there? Would you suddenly um, be grateful for the home and all that came with it? This is one of the things, as I said, people are being reminded of as Jesus and his disciples are traveling to Jerusalem. And as they enter this village of Bethany, Martha, it says, welcomes Jesus into her home. Now, as we saw in verse 38, Jesus is traveling with his disciples. So that means this is an entourage of 13 men. And as they come into this village, it's called the home of Martha that they're welcomed into. That means she's the oldest of the three siblings. There's Mary, Martha, and a brother by the name of Lazarus. You probably remember Lazarus. He's the guy that Jesus would later bring back from the dead after he had died and had been buried. And Lazarus isn't mentioned in our passage today because as a man, he's probably already made it to Jerusalem being so close to celebrate this feast. And it tells us that that Martha is there as well as her sister Mary because verse 39 says she has a sister called Mary who moreover was listening to the Lord's word seated at his feet. Now in that day, disciples would sit at the feet of a teacher or a rabbi to learn, but we see this isn't just some great teacher because it says it's the Lord. 
She even tells Jesus, Lord, do you not care? There are two other times in the Bible you'll find Mary seated at the feet of Jesus. One is in John chapter 11 where she falls at the feet of Jesus when he came to the tomb where her brother Lazarus was buried. She understands who Jesus is. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The other time that we find uh, Mary at Jesus' feet is in John chapter 12, verse 3, where it says, Mary therefore took a pound, a very costly perfume of pure nard, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And you'll remember when this happened, Judas, who was one of the disciples who later betrayed Christ, was also a thief. And he was mad because he wanted this perfume that was worth about a year's worth of wages to be sold So the money could be in the bag that he could then steal from. And as he's lambasting Mary for this waste of this precious perfume, Jesus says to Judas, leave her alone. She knows something that none of you have picked up on yet. She's anointing my body for burial. Now, where did Mary hear this? Well, Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Mary's tuned in. She's listening to the things that Jesus is saying. So even when others are missing what Christ is saying, she's not. She's focused. She's, she's having this deep relationship and, and enjoying her time with Christ and, and listening to his words. You know, it's easy to be busy and bothered by all the things around us and to be distracted, isn't it? I mean, as a parent, think about times maybe you've been sitting on the floor with your kids at home. You know, they're like, Mommy, Daddy, Grandma, Grandpa, Aunt, Uncle, come sit with me. Brother, sister, play with me. And you're sitting on the floor and they're, they're coloring or they're doing something or they're building, you know, the blocks for the 20th time. And Daddy, look, look. That's yeah, great. And you're back on your phone kind of scrolling through while you're sitting there on the floor. And you're distracted and bothered. And what you're missing is the wonder and the joy and, and really all that is happening with your child at that moment. When a London editor was writing Winston Churchill's biography, he submitted a list to Churchill for his approval of all the people who had been influential in his life, teachers, professors, statesmen, world leaders. And as Churchill looks through this list, he gives it back to the editor and he says, you have omitted my most important teacher, my mother. Churchill, this world leader, was impacted by his mom. Those moments of of learning and loving that happened in the home. I mean, think about what you see when you watch a football game. You know, you've got the camera that pans the sidelines, right? And there are these man mountains, these 300-pound guys that are covered in blood, sweat, and mud. And they're sitting there in the heat of the battle, and the camera focuses on them. And as as it does, men, what what, what do you hear? Does, Does the guy go, Dead? Thanks for teaching me the fundamentals of the game. Thanks for making me the man I am. Thanks for on and on. I mean, is that the stuff that comes out? What do they do? Hi, Mom. <laughs> why, why do these, these giant warriors sit there and go, Hi, Mom? Because of the love and the learning and the investment and things that have been poured into their lives. There was a study that was done where 600 university students were asked to take one word from the English language, to pick just one word that was the most beautiful word. And as they wrote that word on a piece of paper, out of 600 college students, 422 of them wrote the word mother. 
422. And another 112 wrote the word home. Mother and home were the most beautiful words picked by these college kids. You know, the homes that you are helping to create are remembered as a place of love and learning, even in those times where you think nothing is being accomplished. Many of you have heard of John Wesley. He was a great theologian from the past. And, and he said, I learned more about Christianity from my mother than from all the theologians of England. What a wonderful impact Wesley's mom had on him. Now, man, as I'm talking about moms today, we have a very important role, a privilege and responsibility given by God to be the spiritual leaders in the home. So as I'm talking about this great impact that ladies have made in the lives of these men, don't forfeit the privilege that you and I have as spiritual leaders in the home to be those who are impacting and loving and molding our children as well. You know, earlier I mentioned during the dedication about how we have a privilege as a church family to come alongside these babies and these students who are here being discipled in our church. This is an opportunity that many of you share in. We have hundreds of kids here at Wayside Chapel, and it takes an army of volunteers to serve alongside them. And over the summer, there's a time when a lot of families are traveling and regular volunteers are not available and things. So we have an opportunity. If you're somebody who said, I've always thought about volunteering, but I've just never had the opportunity or I've never you know, wanted to sign on maybe for a long-term commitment. Well, this summer, we have something called a summer serve opportunity. And you see it's simple, short-term, and significant. It's simple because when you go into the classes, we have a, a fantastic children's staff who prepares everything for you. They plan the curriculum, the crafts, the activities. You walk in. All of that is available to you. They will have a Bible teacher for you. They will have a a worship leader for you. So if you're like me where you sound like a wounded coyote when you sing, you don't have to worry. But you're around a lot of kids who love you making a joyful noise anyway. But it it is a simple opportunity. It's short term because we're asking just for one Sunday a month for three months. That's three times. One Sunday, once a month. And it's significant because, as I said, it's not glorified childcare that is happening over in the children's ministry. It is discipleship. And you will be imparting your love for the Lord, your joy for Jesus into the lives of these kids. And as you do so, what you will find is it also impacts you because you will see their childlike faith. You will see their love and hunger to know more about the Lord, and that will help you in your own walk. And if you're sitting here saying, but I, I don't feel that I'm, I'm capable of it because, you know, I'm, I'm unprepared to share God's word. As I said, we will not only come alongside you to provide what you need, but as we're talking about today, you have a way to become better prepared, to be better rooted in God's word because we can do as Mary did. We can make it a priority as we sit at the feet of Jesus and we listen to his words. And as you think about your life today, do you take time daily to read and study the Bible? As you think about when the last time is that you sat at his feet and soaked up God's word, how long has it been? Now, I know you may be thinking, well, you know, Roger, I wish I had that luxury. I wish I could just, you know, sit back like you and and be paid to study the word of God. I wish I had that luxury. Um, Maybe you're feeling a little bit like Martha here in verse 40. It says, but Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. You know, as we're reading this passage, many of the things I've read about Martha, 
books or listen to other sermons about this, they will talk about how they'll, they'll blast Martha. Have you ever heard that as well? And some of you here have a Martha type of personality, and you're always made to feel that a gift of service is less than, than something else. And that's not the case at all. If you keep reading through the Bible, you'll find that Martha is mentioned in other places serving the Lord. And she's not blasted there. What, what Jesus is correcting here is the heart behind it. It's not her service. Her service was wonderful and appropriate, but it was the heart that went with it. And, and as you think about her, I can understand how she feels this way. Again, remember the setting. She's in this temporary structure. So imagine yourself sitting on the front porch of your house. And as you're sitting there, you see a 15-passenger van pull up into your driveway. And a friend from the past steps out along with 12 other friends. So you've got 13 men standing in your driveway that you didn't really plan on being there. And being a good host, you say, hey, you know, it's, it's about lunchtime. You guys are traveling on to Bernie. Why don't you just come on in the house? We're going to get you something to eat. And you invite these folks in. And as you're walking into the house, because the little shack you're living in is too small for 15 people, you and Mary are going in the house, 13 people following you in, and suddenly you think, I should have my head examined. I mean, why did I just invite 13 people into the house for lunch? I don't even know what I've got to feed them. So you look at Mary and you say, kind of get everybody seated in you know, the living room here. And you run into the kitchen. You immediately open every drawer and cupboard and refrigerator you've got. And you're pulling everything out, stacking it on the counter. You go, well, i got some vegetables I can cut up. i got a couple bags of chips and salsa. And you're, you're, you're in there you know, just kind of getting everything together to feed this uh, sudden horde of guests you have. And the whole time you're expecting your sister to suddenly appear in the kitchen and help you. But she's not coming. So what do you do? You start slamming the cupboard door. You start banging the pot as you're boiling something, you know, thinking she's going to get the hint. Uh, but she still doesn't come, so you, you peek out of the kitchen, you lean around the corner, and you see her sitting on the floor like one of the guests. How are you feeling right now? I mean, maybe you're more spiritual than me, but I would, <laughs> I would want my sister to get up and come into the kitchen and start helping. You know, as we think about this, uh, it reminds me of a situation that happened with a, a woman who was changing duty stations with her family. They were moving from the States to Germany, and uh, this story is told by one of the older children in the family. She says, after an all-night flight to the Rhein-Main Air Base, my, my weary mother arrived uh, in Germany with me and my eight siblings. She said, collecting our many suitcases, the ten of us entered the cramped customs area, and a young customs official looked at our entourage in disbelief, and he said, ma'am, are all these children and all this luggage yours? She sighed and said, yeah, they're mine. And so he began his interrogation. Ma'am, do you have any weapons? Do you have any drugs? Do you have any contraband? And my mother said to him, sir... If I had any of those things, I would have used them by now. <laughs> you know, as we're looking at this passage, we see that Mary is sitting on the floor, and Martha sees her, and Martha has a weapon that she decides to use. It's called words. You ever use that yourself? She comes storming out of the kitchen. She unloads on Jesus. Now, 
Jesus doesn't get hit in the crossfire. He's actually the one she goes and yells at. And he's the intended target as she says, Lord, do you not care? And you know what's ironic about this question is Jesus could have repeated it back to Martha and said, Martha, do you not care? You invited me into your home. You asked me to come in, to sit down. And ever since I've got here, you've done nothing but neglect me. You've disappeared. And I wonder how many of us are like Martha, where as Christians, we invite Jesus into the home of our heart. We say, God, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be in my, my life. And then what we do is we begin to neglect him because we get so busy serving him. And as I'm saying these things, remember, I'm a pastor, so I know what this is like. I will tell you there are times that I get so busy in, in being a pastor that I can neglect my own personal relationship with God. There are times that as I'm answering calls and correspondence and going to community events and, and, and speaking in various places and, and preparing for things that my world gets consumed and I find my own personal time with Jesus getting compressed. And it's not just in our Christian walk where we can lose perspective. It's, it's a danger we face as parents. As I mentioned earlier, we, we, we can end up just like Martha where we're, we're pulled away because we're doing so many things trying to meet the needs of our family. As moms and dads, we're spending more hours at work to make more money to provide the things for our kids that we never had. And sometimes taking the very thing away that maybe some of us had, which was time with our parents. And moms, if you were to talk to your kids today and ask them, would you want more money or more of mommy? I think you would find that mommy is the choice. And daddies, they would say more daddy time than dollars. And when it comes to God, it's certainly true as well with him. He would rather have our time. Yes, he's given us spiritual gifts. Yes, he's called us to serve him. But what he said is don't get so busy serving me that you neglect me, that you forget to spend time with me. As you look at what is going on in your world, what is it that's drawing you away from time with God and time with your families? Martha didn't have time here to spend with God because she was too busy trying to serve him. And as she comes out of the kitchen, she tells Jesus to tell Mary to get her priorities straight. And and it's clear she expected Jesus to side with her. Because as she comes out and she says, Lord, do you not care? In the Greek text, the, the word that is used is ooh. And ooh is a negative particle that expects a positive answer. So what she's expecting is she says, do you not care, Lord? That's why it says, then she says, then tell her to help me. Because he's thinking, oh, you're right, Martha. I mean, Mary, get off the floor. What are you doing? Go help your sister. But that's not what Jesus says, is it? Look at verses 41 through 42. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only a few things are necessary, really only one. But Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. You know, as I read that passage, every single time I read that passage, you know what happens to me? I hear, Roger, Roger, why are you worried and bothered about so many things? I told you earlier, calls, correspondence, emails, community events, visiting the congregation. And Roger, Roger. Yes, those things are important. Yes, those things are needed. But what is most important, what is most needed, is a focus on your priority of your time with me. 
He says, don't neglect that. And as parents, it's easy to be drawn away and bothered by all the things that are really not important and miss what is most important. There's another mom who wrote this. She said, if I live in a house of spotless beauty with everything in its place, I'm a housekeeper and not a homemaker. If I only have time for waxing and polishing, my children will learn cleanliness, but not godliness. Love leaves the dust in search of a child's laugh. Love smiles at the tiny fingerprints in the newly cleaned window. Love wipes up the tears before it wipes up the spilled milk. Love is the key that opens salvation's message to a child's heart. She ends by saying, before I became a mother, I I took glory in my house of perfection. But now I glory in God's perfection of my children. Now, I'm not telling you not to do housework, okay? (laughs) Please don't go home and say, Pastor Roger said I don't have to do housework anymore. There was a a day when a husband came home and the house had been destroyed. He's looking around in disbelief. And he said to his wife, said, honey, what happened? And she said, you know how you come home every day and you ask me, what did you do today? She said, well, today I didn't do it. You know, it's funny how housework is something nobody notices until you don't do it. But as you think in terms of all that you do, there's a balance. And there are times that something is more important than something else. You know, if you didn't get the dusting done because you were doing things with your family, just put a little sign up that says, dust is a protective coating over the furniture, right? (laughs) Your friends aren't going to care if they're really your friends and your family will know that you cared more about them than how clean the house looked. Our job as a mom, a dad, a grandparent is not to make our house a showplace. It's to make it a home. It's to be a home. I read about a young serviceman and his family. They, they had been transferred to a military base where there was no housing available, so they were forced to stay in a motel right by the base. And the little girl would play in the lobby, you know, a lot of the days. And the, the woman who was there at the counter, she, she would see this little girl. And she wasn't very tactful. And one day she, she said to this little girl, isn't it a shame you don't have a home? And the little girl looked up at the lady with a smile. And she said, oh, we have a home. We just don't have a house to put it in. You know, Martha had a home. But she made it a house. She said, Jesus, come into my house. Sit over here. And when I'm done serving you, then I'll spend time with you. And Jesus told her in verse 42, only a few things are necessary. Really only one. Jesus didn't say, Martha, Martha, look, we don't need the big buffet. Why don't you scratch all those dishes? Just make that macaroni casserole. You know that thing we really like? That's not what he's saying. He's not saying there's just one dish we need. He's saying there's just one thing we need. Martha, I didn't stop here on the way to Jerusalem so you could feed me. I stopped here because I want to spend time with you. You're my friend. And I want you to choose what Mary did. Come and sit. Listen to me. Spend time with me. You know, if I told you that Jesus Christ was coming to your house today at 1 o'clock... Jesus Christ is coming to your house today at 1 o'clock. What are you thinking right now? Is it about the pile of dishes in the sink? Is it how the beds didn't get made? Is it about the clothes piled up somewhere? Are you immediately thinking, oh, the house is a wreck. I've got to clean it before Jesus comes over. 
Are you thinking about, well, what, what am I going to feed them? I, I don't know if I have, I've got to go to the grocery store and I've got to make some. I mean, what, what just shot through your mind when I said Jesus was going to be there at one? Or did you say, you know what, that's great. I'll just drive through a drive through We'll pick up some food. I'm going to use the extra time just to, to think of questions. I want to ask Jesus. Just to, to prepare myself to sit at the feet of the Lord. Friends, can I tell you something? Jesus will be at your house at 1 o'clock today and at 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock. He will be there every hour of every day and every week and every month because you have this. You have the Bible, the words of God, and he says, will you come and sit at my feet? Will you spend time with me? Will you just sit down and listen to my words? If you don't get everything done that you think is important, Jesus says there's just one thing that it's important, and Mary chose it. And God invites us today to do the same thing. God invites us to sit at his feet, to grow deeper in our relationship with the Lord. You know, today is the day where we honor moms, the ladies who gave life to us, who gave birth to us. And as great and important as they are in our life, there is a greater gift of life that God offers to us called eternal life. And he says, in my word are the words of eternal life. In the Bible, I tell you how you can become a child of mine. In John 1, 12, we're told, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. He says, all of us here are broken and fallen people. All of us are sinners. And because of that, we owe a penalty of sin called death. Romans six twenty three says, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And he offers you and me the opportunity to receive that gift of grace, to come to faith in him. He tells us in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. And so he invites us today to come and sit at his feet, to recognize who he is, not just a great teacher, but the Lord, the Lord of life who came and gave his life so we could have the gift of eternal life. And he invites you this morning, if you've never received him as your savior, to recognize who he is and to receive him. And for the rest of us who have done that, who are already believers in Jesus, he invites us today to recognize what needs to be a priority in our world. And to rearrange the things in our world that are taking away the time that we should spend with him. And he wants us to go home and reserve time with him. To sit at his feet. To soak up his words. And to deepen our relationship with him. We join me please as we go to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for the gift of your word. In John 1, 1, we're told about the living word, Jesus Christ, as it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And so we thank you, God, for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, the living word. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for the gift of your written word. As you, through the pens of men, gave us the written word that we get to sit at your feet at any time that we can or want. And open up the Bible and read your words to us, God, your love letter to us. And so I pray, Father, that this morning 
we would all look at our lives and see what we need to do. If there's anyone here today who's never received you as her personal Savior, I pray today would be the day of salvation for them, the day where they say, God, I recognize this gift of life you've given, and I receive it gratefully. I accept you, Jesus, as my Savior, the payment for my sins. And, Father, for the rest of us who have received that gift of new and eternal life, would we be those who who recognize our need to reserve time with you, to rearrange whatever it is that's getting in the way so that we can spend time with you. We thank you, God, for the gift of your word. We thank you for the gift of life. And we thank you, God, for the gift of the ladies in our lives, the mothers, grandmothers, aunts, uncles, friends, others who impact us and share your love with us. So thank you, God, for all that you give to us. In Jesus' name, amen.